Thanks for joining us today. Our church exists to give everyone, everywhere, every reason to know Jesus. You can learn more by connecting with us on Facebook at Journey Fellowship Denton. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy today's message. So glad for all you men here today, dads that are here. As we sang that song a little earlier, you're a good, good father. You are perfect in all of your ways. How many of you had a perfect dad in your life? You had a perfect dad? Really? Please, let me meet them. There's not one person who's had a perfect dad. Now, we have a perfect father, but there's not one dad that's ever been perfect. He's made mistakes. He is... uh, corrected when he should have loved he's loved when he should have corrected he's not been perfect and you know what that's a big relief for me because i know that i don't have to be perfect because there's no way i can be perfect but there is a good good father who is perfect in all of his ways he never makes a mistake his plans are always the best even though you feel like that you're on plan b or c or d he's got a plan for you and it's going to work out And that's what a father does. That's what our father does. This morning, I just want to share just a few moments with you about fathers. I want to talk with you about the subject of blessed is the man, a blessed man. How many of you men out there want to be a blessed man? You want to be blessed. I want to be blessed. I want my home to be blessed. I want my children to be blessed. I want my wife to be blessed. I want my life to be blessed. I want everything around me to be blessed and favored. And it's great because as a father... That makes me a man. Contrary to what uh, modern culture says, there's really only two genders. There's male and female. And then there's 762 other extra mental illnesses that are out there now. But there's really only male and female. So it's great being a man. It's great being a guy. Here's why. Number one, I can finish a phone conversation and deal with everything I need to deal with in less than a minute. Come on, guys. Come on. You know about that. It doesn't take very long for us to solve the crisis on one phone call, right? I like being a man because I can take a five-day vacation and all I need to take is a Walmart sack, a toothbrush, and one pair of shoes. That's all I need. I don't need a carry-on bag. I don't need a a luggage rack to carry all my luggage. That's what men do. Being a man's fun because haircuts are less than 20 bucks. Well, not really anymore. Inflation's even got the haircut. Car mechanics usually tell you the truth because you're a man. Gray hair and wrinkles, they don't do anything but just add to your character. And here's the most wonderful thing that I think of is that you don't have to try clothes on before you buy them. You just pull them off the rack and walk pay for them. That's what guys do. And as a guy, you know what? If somebody else in church shows up with the same shirt that you got on on the same Sunday... You don't run to the bathroom or go hide in the car. You just might be best buds for here on out. Just be the way. Hey, I like that shirt, man. That's a nice one. Woo-wee. Wear it next Sunday, too. You know, besides just a traditional barbecue, Father's Day, honestly, is not really a big priority for a lot of, a lot of people. It's not a big priority for our culture. And... There's a reason for that. It's because it's really a clear indication for where our society's condition really truly is. Um, In the sight of God, fathers hold a very high place 
in society. Fathers hold a very high place in, in, in the family and in culture. But how many of you have seen commercials or TV shows lately or movies that actually make dads look like the dumbest people on the planet? Have you seen those? Dads are the ones who are too ignorant to get out of the street. They can't take care of the kids if mom's not around. They don't know how to load a washing machine. They, they don't know how to uh, clean a toilet. Just basic things. Dads just don't get it, and they have to ask how to do it, and they're just made fun of and look like a bunch of fools. And that's because our culture actually looks at fathers that way. Fathers are seen in our culture as expendable parts. An unnecessary part of a family just happens to be there. And sadly and unfortunately, a lot of dads or men are just seen as sperm donors who help pay the rent. But let me tell you something, nothing can be further from the truth. Dads get a bad rap. In our culture. And in a lot of occasions, rightly so. Rightly so, because of their actions and their choices and their decisions. But I'm telling you something, there's some great dads out there. And I know some of you, and some of you are great dads. You're good, you're a good dad. You need to continue to be a good dad. Strive to be what God wants you to be. Be something that God can bless. Blessed is the man. Who wants to be a man that is blessed? I do. Blessed is the man. I want to be a blessed man. Sadly, the greatest tragedy, I think, in our culture is not that the culture looks at men and fathers that way. It's that men and fathers have embraced that idea and that role. And I want to push back on that this morning. You don't have to be a timid little guy that just does what he does because the world tells him to do so. You don't have to allow the culture to domesticate you into something that the culture makes you to be. An, uh, just an unnecessary part. You can be a dad. You can be a man. You can be a single guy that's looking to become a, 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 a blessed man. You can be that person because God wants you to be that guy. He wants you to be that type of person. But you've got to work through, the, and we've got to work through this, this tragedy that is upon us. We've got to do something. Men, brothers, listen to me. We have to do something. We can no longer sit on the sideline and hope that things get better. You can't just hope your kids turn out okay. You have to be engaged with your children. You can't just hope that you... Your marriage lasts over a lifetime. You have to be engaged in your marriage. You have to be a man who knows how to carry the blessing of God upon you. Come on, somebody say amen. You, you guys that are out there. you got to be a guy that knows how to allow the blessing of God to rest over your life. And here's why. Because you have to look in one place. 43% of children born in America today are born outside of marriage. 43%. That's a staggering statistic. 18 and a half million kids will grow up in our nation without a father's influence in their home. 
Now, we've heard these statistics to the point that we're, we're numb to it. We don't, even, we don't even think about it anymore. But that means that 25% of all kids in America today, 25% of kids in Denton, 25% of kids in Dallas, in Fort Worth, in Frisco, in New York City, in Chicago, in L.A., 25% of those kids are going to go to bed tonight without their biological father sleeping under the same roof. Staggering. Culturally changing statistics of what's going on. Currently, America, yeah, America, we, have, we are the greatest nation on earth. We lead in a lot of categories, and here's one of them that we lead in. We are the leading nation in the world with absent father households. I'm proud to be an American, but I'm sad at that fact. And what's this doing? It's devastating communities. It's devastating our culture. If you have complained about the things going on in our world today, my friend, brother, we are partly to blame. Because 85% of the children who grow up in fatherless homes are the ones who have behavioral issues. 85% of those kids that end up in juvie, fatherless home. No dad around, no influence, no biological father anywhere to be found. Just a baby daddy out there somewhere. 70% of young people 70% of young people who are currently in drug and alcohol rehab facilities grew up in fatherless homes. Think about it. 70% of those kids on the street, in drugs, in dry-out facilities, didn't have a dad. You can't tell me how important... You are, you are important. Guys, listen to me. Look at, you are important. You are critical to the children of this nation. You're critical to your kids. It's critical. And we're in a critical time. Our nation is in a critical moment. And as much as I honor and respect the place and the role of women in our society, they have done so much and come so far. Dads, brothers, Men, it's our responsibility to turn the tide. It's our responsibility. God made you a man for a reason. Because in every society, in almost every every ill that is found in our society can be traced at some point back to the father factor of where a father is. Or the sin that was chosen by a father. American kids need their fathers. Your kids need their fathers. And I just want to say, none of you are perfect and none of you ever will be. I'm not. And I've had to apologize to my kids before. We're not perfect. But my strive is to be, to be blessed, to be what God wants me to be. 
I'm completely convinced that fathers need to be reinstated to the level of importance that God intended us to be. And the only way that we can do that is we have to be the men that God wants us to be. Amen? Because when you undervalue a father in a culture, really what you're doing is you are undervaluing the heavenly, heavenly father in our lives. That's what's happening. When God is undervalued in our life, when God is undervalued in our family, when the Heavenly Father is undervalued in a society or a culture, that's when the father, the biological dad, is undervalued in society. And so it's no wonder why fathers are made out to be the fools. It's because, honestly, that's what our culture thinks about God. So what I want to do is I want to ask, how does this happen? How are we going to fix this problem? What are we going to do? How do we fix it? Where do we start valuing fathers again? How do we raise our own value as men? We're going to go to the first psalm. I want you to turn with me into Psalm 1. Six verses this morning that speak a tremendous amount of wisdom into a father's life. Psalm 1. Opening up. 150 of those psalms, this opening psalm sets the stage for everything that follows. It's the contrasting picture of a blessed man. Psalm 1 says this, look at it with me. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Therefore, or not so the wicked... They are like the chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Father, use your words that were written so long ago to address, Lord, our current state of affairs, Lord, right here in this city, in the homes, Lord, of those who are sitting in this room, Lord, in this nation and around this world, oh, Lord God, let us strive to be men that are blessed by God, to be the Father that you are, striving to be a good Father, what you called us to be. And not just the men in this room, but, Lord, for every person listening, let us apply your word, Lord, so that we might be challenged to be what you've called us to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. Three things I just want to just I want to just teach you out of this real quick passage. It has to do with with evaluating you as a man who wants to be blessed. Three things. You look around, you look inside, and you look ahead. Three things, three actions that you take if you want to be a blessed father, those three things you brought your, you got the program, there's notes there, you can follow along. But those three points, three things. Dads, you're going to look around today. You're going to look inside today. And you're going to look ahead today. 
you look at the first couple of verses, he says, look, I want you to look around. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. He talks about three things. Three things. If you look around, he says there are three things that influence your life. We're all influenced by something. Did you know that? Everybody is an influencer and everybody is being influenced. Influence is is moving upon your life and you are being affected like that. What you have to do is you have to find out what kind of influence is shaping me and what kind of influence is molding me. There can be first in in verse 1, there can be ungodly influence. You don't have to teach kids to be bad, right? Dads, did you get your kids out and say, hey, son, let me come here. Let me show you how to steal. All right. I want to teach you how to lie. I want you to teach you how to how to tell your mom the biggest fib and make her believe it. Son, I want you to show you. I want to I want to show you how to do the worst things of the worst. OK, I'm going to teach you that. You don't have to teach them those things. They just got it. They know it. They knew it because the Bible says that by nature we are we are vessels of wrath, which means we don't have to study sin. Sin just happens naturally in our life. It's easy. It's easy to sin. It's easy to do what God does not want us to do because you're born that way. You naturally have a tendency to, to be influenced by the world around you. That's just who we are. And so what we have to have is we need a God who can rescue us from that condition and make us a child of God so that we can be aware of these ungodly influences that affect our life, that help us to see that we are not being blessed by God when we're following those influences. But there's a progressive nature to it. Look at that in verse 1. He says, there's people that, that walk, there's people that stand, there's people that sit. Well, let's talk about the ones who are walking, the ones who walk in the counsel of the wicked. When you're walking somewhere, you're talking about direction. It's, I'm going in this direction. When you're walking, you can't walk five different directions at the same time. You walk in one direction. That means you're being, you're being directed. Sometimes we can walk and, and, and meander around and not really have any direction or be unaware of the direction that we're even traveling. Anybody in this room ever been lost? Any of you dads ever been lost and your wife's in the seat next to you, but you would not tell her that you were lost? Anybody want to be honest to, to admit that? And she's got the map and she says, Google says, and you say, I don't care what Google says. I know where I'm going. My wife just said, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay. Scott, this is where Google says, I don't need that map. I know where the traffic is as we're sitting still on 35. It's about direction. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. You know what? There's a lot of people, a lot of dads, The first counsel they get in the morning comes from a little small computer that's sitting next to their bed. The first counsel they get is when they consult the social media sites that they favorite and they, and they try to find out how, how well their life is doing compared to their buddy down the street. Come on now. The first counsel they get is from the trends that appear on the internet or the television that tell them what direction their knife needs to go for them to be the coolest, best dad in all the world. Whether it's an internet site 
or a magazine or a podcast, whatever you are walking with is shaping and influencing your life. It is counseling you. And when that counsel is wicked and ungodly, it will shape you into the man that is not blessed by God. The negative is what he's talking about. Blessed is the man who does not walk in that counsel. And then he goes on, he says, who does not stand in the way of sinners. After you've been walking a certain direction and you're seeking the advice or you're getting the advice of the ungodly, you move from consulting or asking advice to a place of identifying with those influences and those people. Instead of walking and getting some temporary advice, hey, I'm going my way and I'm, you're going my instead of just taking those cues, now you're actually identifying because when they stop, you stop. When they move, you move. When the world does its thing, that's what you do. You just flow with the world. And you stand there and identify, or you, you know, the world's over here. I'm going to go stand over here. You see this so, so, uh, clearly in, 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 in younger kids. You remember junior high? All you wanted to do was be in that group, right? Man, I want those people like me. I just, I just went to my 30 year high school anniversary or reunion. I know I don't look that old. That's an amen moment right there. I'm, I'm trying to help you out. I went, there were people that I hadn't seen since they wore the cap and gown that day. And I walked in, and you know what was crazy about this? As I walked into this room, there were kids that I didn't even, that I wasn't, we didn't hang out. And I didn't have a super big class, but we didn't hang out, but we knew each other. It was small enough, everybody knew, knew each other's name. There were people that, that I did hang out with. There was people that I didn't even really know hardly at all, but I knew who they were. When we came in, everybody's like, man, Sky's good to see you. Hey, Jeff, what's going on, man? We're just shaking. Hey, everybody's just like, hey, give me a hug, man. We were just excited. We were still six feet above ground, right? 30 years. We just wanted to be a part. We wanted to stand. I just want to be identified with that group. And what happens is, is, is if you walk and you're influenced by the world so long, instead of having an opposing point of view, you just kind of accept their point of view. First you walk and you listen to what they had to say, but then you get to the place where you don't walk back to where you should be and you stand where they stand and you identify with their position. Let me take this just a little bit deeper. There are positions, viewpoints in our culture. Are you with me now? That if you walk long enough with a person who has that viewpoint that is ungodly and not biblical, guess what? You're going to end up standing and identifying with them. Well, you know, I I can see your point of view. I, I get it. I can see what you're talking about. Let me tell you, friends, listen to me, hear me. There are viewpoints in our world today where there is no middle ground. It is right and it is wrong. And you cannot stand there and try to negotiate some yes or maybe kind of, kind of, kind of uh, situation with viewpoints that are in our world. There is no black or there is no gray area when it comes to killing babies. Oh man, here we go again. Pastors. Listen, 
There's no gray area in abortion. There's right and there's wrong. There's no gray area in homosexuality. Gay is not okay. But let me take that a little further. There's no gray area in sex outside of marriage of any kind. Come on. Church folks sure do like to curse against the homosexual crowd. We've got kids going out on Friday night. I better get back to my notes. It's the truth. Well, you know, they're just being kids. No! What does the Bible say? There are issues where you cannot just stand with it. And let, me just, let me just encourage you. That, let me just tell you guys this. Listen, I've seen this happen, and it is the saddest thing that I've ever seen. I have seen parents, dads and moms, who have, I've watched, they've served God, they've been in the church, they've been youth leaders and all this kind of stuff. We, we know, we've got personal friends. And all of a sudden, their kids kind of get older and they start growing up. And man, they told the line. When it was everybody else's kids, you do not do that. that you do not do that. Don't do it. Because you're going to go to hell. As long as they can tell somebody else's kids that. But guess what? When their kids got old enough and their kids started doing that kind of stuff, I saw their values become closer to what their kids' values were than standing and towing the line and telling their own kids, don't do that or you're going to hell. That sounds kind of harsh. But unfortunately, it's the truth. Right? Tell you something. Young person, there are things in this world that will send you to hell separated from God for eternity, not like for, you know, a week at summer camp. It is going to be separation from God forever. What I preach, when I preach about sin, I'm not getting up here so I can just make people feel bad. I'm warning you about your eternal destiny, about your soul. It's, it is real. It's very real. Don't play around. Don't stand and identify with that because what happens is you, if you get to start identifying, you know what happens? You become comfortable and you start sitting in the seat of mockers. That's what he said. You're just walking along, you know, getting some advice, and then you say, well, you know what, let me stop and think about that. And then you get to the point, yeah, man, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I got you, I got you. We're pals now. We'll just relax because we get comfortable with all of that. Let me tell you something. There are churches who have gotten comfortable with a sinful culture. There are people that call themselves Christians and they are, they are so comfortable with a, with a sinful, ungodly culture. Matter of fact, they probably identify more with the world than they do with a righteous life. Because when you become so comfortable, you'll begin to sit in the place of mockers. It's a resting place. It's a position where you feel comfortable. You're not just listening anymore. You're not just identifying with anymore. You have adopted those thoughts. You have adopted those positions. And that is dangerous. That's why we tell our young people, hey, look, that dude is no good for you. You're not running around with them anymore. We got pushback, Shannon and I did, from our kids. 
I'm not going to name which one was the worst, but we said, hey, look, that person is bad news. Like, super bad news. Like, super ultra bad news. You're not hanging out with that person. That person is going in the wrong direction because we saw the progression. You walk with them long enough, then you start identifying with them that suddenly you're sitting with them and you're comfortable around everything that they do, all that they say, how they talk, how they live, what they think. It's a progression. So let me, tell you, let me ask you, my friends, and I'm going to pick up the pace here. Look at your life. How are you being influenced? What's influencing your life? Are you being influenced by the media, by the internet, by your, by the marketing apparatus that tells you everything to do, you know, tells you what toothpaste to buy, what car to drive, what things are wrong, when things are wrong, when things are not? There is an, there is a huge spiritual propaganda apparatus that is moving over you every day and you have to be aware of it because it is trying to distort your thinking, especially if your thinking's lined up with the Word of God. Because verse 2 says there's, a God, there's godly influence. And that is the blessed man who, who, who makes his influence and brings it from delighting in the Word of God. How do you, how do you become, how do, how do you do that? How do you delight in God's Word? Let me tell you, it's more than just saying, you know what, I want God to help me to love to read. How many of you guys in this room truly just love to read? Stick your hand up really high. Okay, you are a minority. Okay, you're 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 in the minority. Most guys just don't like reading or they don't have time to read. How many of you'd rather listen to a audio book or something like that? Yeah, that's much better. Yeah. You truck drivers, please don't read. Listen. Yeah. Let's see here. You know, oh, hey. Delight yourself in God's Word. It's not just saying, oh, God, help me want to read. I just want to read. It's not that. It's not about reading. It's about taking God's Word. I delight in finding what God wants to say to me today, and I delight in applying it to my life. Okay, God, this is what the principle is. This is the principle. How can I apply that to me today? That's what delighting in God's Word is. It's not, oh man, I just want to read like 10 chapters a day. That means nothing. It's when you're like what James encourages to be. Don't just be hearers of the Word, but be a doer of the Word. Because it doesn't do you any good. It makes no application to your life. It doesn't do anything. And what he's saying, he's saying, that when you start tasting the Word, when you start seeing how the Word affects your life and the people around you, it affects the dynamics of your relationships, whether it's your wife or whether it's your husband or whether it's your, your children or whether it's your co-workers. When the Word of God begins to affect us in such a way that it begins to taste good to us. And when you delight the taste, you begin to not like the taste of other things. Do you see that? It's kind of like if you're a Coke drinker and you drink a lot of Coke, like plain old red, red tan Coke. And then somebody slips in a little Diet Coke on you. He's like, what is this nonsense? This is terrible. 
How many of you were old enough to remember, I believe it was in the 80s, when New Coke came out? You remember that? New Coke. Look, just just leave that body-rotting stuff alone. It's good the way it is. It destroys your organs, but man, it's good. It'll rot your insides out. Man, it'll kill you quicker, you know, than... Five packs of cigarettes a day, but it's just leave the leave it alone, because your your taste. You were like, man, this doesn't taste like Coke. And some of you are true addicts. You're into the Dr Pepper. You might as well just pour a bucket of sugar and and a little spoonful of water and call it Dr Pepper. That's all it is. But you've developed that taste for it. Some of you developed the taste for sweet tea. Oh, I could dance and shout right now. That's, I'm just thinking about sweet tea. The way mom makes... Shannon, she's a little more healthy. My mom would take a full cup of sugar. Dump it in there. Here you kids, made y'all some sweet tea. And then the kids, when, 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 when they make that tea, there's two pitchers. There's a sweet tea, and then there's the... God help us, what is that? That's the unsweet tea. Yeah, you don't have a taste for it, do you? It's because you have developed a delight. It's a delight in God's Word, and you want to put it in you. Peter says, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. You develop an appetite, and the more you like something, the less appetite you have for other things. That's what he's saying. It's not, it's, it's not, you're not trying to get a hunger to read. You're trying to get a hunger to live by his word, and that's what godly influence does in your life. You meditate upon it day and night. It's like marinating a steak. Steaks are much better when you soak them for about two days, and you cut them with a fork. It's what we did. We've got a professional barbecuer in our midst over here. He knows about that marinating. You just let it soak in. That's what meditating on the Word of God is. You're just letting it soak. You let it soak. So when you leave here this morning, you think about that. You read Psalm 1 again this afternoon, maybe before you go to bed. You let it marinate. So you look around. Who's influencing you? What's influencing Then you look inside. Notice this in verse 3. What kind of person are you becoming? Who are you? Psalm 1 is a contrast between two types of life. The blessed life, the life that's productive, the life that's secure on one side, and the cursed life, a a life of death, lack, a life of judgment on the other side. One side is the way of happiness. One side is the way that will deaden your soul. And you will live your life and the end of your days, you will find no satisfaction in that. You have to look inside. You have to say, what is it? What kind of person am I truly becoming? Because a person who delights in God's word and meditates on God's word, he says, will be like a tree that's planted by streams or rivers of water. If you want to know the secret to living a wonderful, blessed life, that's the verse. That's the verse. Because the hand of God will always be seen on a man who is blessed. It it won't be unnoticeable. 
It's not going to be ignorable. God's hand will be seen on your life if you are blessed by Him. Whenever God puts you somewhere, He keeps you. And here's the interesting thing. He says you will be like a tree that is what? Planted. Not a self-sown tree, but a tree that is planted. Who planted? Anybody planted flowers and trees and shrubs this, this, this year? Because the cold got them? You planted something. You picked a spot and you dug a hole and you put that booger in the ground and you said, oh man, let it grow. You planted something. Can I just tell you, brothers, friends, men, you have been planted where you are for God's business. You don't just randomly go to this church. You don't just randomly live in Denton, Texas. You don't just randomly uh, grew up and were born as an American. God has planted you to make a difference in the world around you. Because there's three things that will happen. When you are planted by God, you will become fruitful. That's what it says. He will yield its fruit in due season. What's a fruitful person? One writer said this, they are refreshing and nourishing to everything around them. They go away, uh, you go away from them being feeling fed. You go away from them feeling strengthened. You go away from them with your taste of her spiritual things awakened. That's what being fruitful is. Their words are healing. Their words are convicting. Their words are encouraging and deepening and enlightening. And being around a fruitful person is like eating a wonderful meal together. What a great description of what a fruitful person is. You want to be around someone that's fruitful. You can be fruitful. So stay fruitful and fruit will come. Sometimes it it seems like, man, I don't know if I'm doing this all right. Just stay fruitful. Galatians 6, 9 says, Don't grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. God's going to make you fruitful. He makes you fruitful. He makes you durable. Look, He says that you, your leaf will not wither. Times may get tough. Times may get tough in the near future. But can I tell you about a blessed man of God? You're going to weather it. We're going to weather this. No matter what happens in our world that's happening right now, we're going to weather this. If you are a man who is blessed by God, He is going to watch over you. He's going to take care of you. He's going to make you durable so that your leaf does not wither. Don't think that it's going to come to you. Claim Psalm 91. It will not come near my household. The Lord is going to protect me. It's kind of like the paratrooper that was training to learn how to jump. And they gave him a, a sheet and they said, Here's, here are the instructions. First of all, You jump from the plane when you were told. Number two, you pull the parachute. Number three, if the parachute fails to release, you pull the emergency parachute. Number four, a truck will be waiting for you when you land and hit the ground. He got up there, he got in the airplane, he jumped out when he was told, number one. Number two, he pulled his parachute after ten seconds as he was told and nothing happened. Number three, he pulled the the emergency chute. He pulled on it and nothing happened. And he said, oh, great. And I guess the truck's not going to show up when I get to the bottom. Let me tell you, you're going to last. Don't think that the worst is in store for you. If you are a child of God and you are blessed by the Lord, you're going to make it. You're durable. Your leaf will not wither. 
and whatever you do prospers. That's sometimes hard to think of because the only terms that we can think of is money. Let me tell you something. Sometimes the only thing between a a wealthy sinner, well, and a guy living on the street that I passed today, sleeping on a bench, is just a few dollars, money. But a blessed man is prosperous no matter what, no matter how much money he's got in his bank account because that's not where it's at. You think, well, God, God, what about Psalm 34? Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Well, you, you forget Psalm 73. <laughs> because Psalm 73 says this, I looked upon the wealthy, I looked upon the arrogant, and I envied them. Because I saw that their life was carefree and, 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 and they just increased in wealth. And I had almost basically given up. But in Psalm 73, verse 17, he says, And then I entered the sanctuary. I entered the house of the Lord. And I realized and I understood their final destiny. Let me tell you something. Heaven holds more for you, more wealth, more blessing for you than this world could ever provide. Ever, ever, ever. For the believer, this world is the only hell that you will ever see and experience. But for the unbeliever, this is the only heaven that they will ever know and experience. Then finally, you look ahead. I close with this. Daniel, would you come? How are you going to be judged? Quickly, he just says that in the judgment, the wicked aren't going to stand. There's not going to be any excuses. There's not going to be a leg to stand on. When you stand before God, you're going to have to look Him straight in the eye and you're going to say, well, you know what? I was busy on Sundays. I just, you know what? I just didn't understand the Bible. So I, you know. I, I'm not a good singer. I can't really praise God. I mean, just... You're not going to have it. You will not stand... I think what's going to happen when people stand before the Lord is they're going to immediately recognize in that split second of a moment as they stand before Almighty God and they've not known Him and they've not followed Him, they will fall upon their face broken and say, Oh my God, I've made the worst decision not to follow You. In heaven there will only be one assembly. And that's the assembly of the righteous, if you see that in verse 5. The congregation of the redeemed, the worshipers, the God-fearers, those who wanted God more than anything else that this world had to offer. And I'm so thankful in verse 6, he says, a blessed man is the person that God knows his way. God knows every way. The wicked will perish. I think we get that this morning. But the way of the righteous, God knows it. God's leading you. My brother, my friend, fellow dad, fellow father, men. And ladies, you're not exempt from this either. God, it says, blessed is the man, blessed is the woman. 
I close with this. Being a man, being a father, being a husband begins with those godly influences. Let influences, let, let people who feed your spiritual soul be, be the people that you like to be around. Because God, godly influence will, will gradually move you toward godly character. And godly character will move you toward heaven's doors. There is a, a courthouse in Ohio and whenever it rains, it's, it's in a u- unique position in Ohio. Rain can fall on one side of the courthouse and it flows off of that roof and it will go into toward Lake Ontario and the St. James River and it will go that direction. The rain that falls on the south side of the courthouse roof flows toward the Mississippi and to the Gulf of Mexico. It's a unique position in, 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 in Ohio. When it's raining, a little gust of wind can move that, those raindrops that were falling from the sky. And that little gust of wind can move those raindrops one way or the other. And just a little gust of wind can determine the direction that that little raindrop is going to end up going by thousands of miles. The ultimate destiny of that raindrop could be just a brief moment. Now, there's a lot of spiritual application in that as I read that. One little decision in your life could actually determine the direction that the rest of your life goes. One decision. So men, make every decision a decision that you're willing to live with for the rest of your life. And so seek God and say, Lord, bless me. Show me what you desire from me, Lord, so that I may have a life that is favored, leading my family, leading my wife, leading whoever. Not perfect, Lord, but you can help me. Let's bow our heads this morning. As I pray to dismiss, I just want to invite you to take a moment to talk to the Lord this morning. Take just a few moments. And if the Lord spoke to you while I preached this message, maybe it was about the influence in your life. Maybe there's some things that are influencing your life that you know that you need to make course correction. That you need to make a decision because you know that that raindrop could end up in a long, a lot of different places. Check the influences in your life. Fellas, also, check inside. Who are you becoming? Are you that tree? Are you going to be a tree or are you going to be what he compared to as chaff? When the tough times come, are you going to be able to find nourishment from way deep down? The strength of God, those who delight in the law of the Lord, you've, made, you've, you've applied the things of God in your life. Or are you going to be like the chaff that has no roots and it just goes wherever the wind blows? Two types of people. Two types of men. And then when you look ahead, will you stand under the judgment of God? Waiting to be judged according to your own misdeeds 
or will you stand in the company of the righteous where the Lord will welcome you for eternity in heaven? Examine yourself today as I pray for you. Father, I thank you for who you are. You are you're so faithful to us, Lord. You're gracious. You're merciful. I thank you, Lord, that your grace has been sufficient for me, Lord. I'm not a perfect father by any means. I've done my best, Lord. I've tried, Lord, to be a man that you could be proud of, Lord. All of us in this room, we have things that, Lord, that we, decisions that we made that we regret. But, Lord, I pray that, God, that you would help us as men to turn the tide, to make the decisions, Lord, that's going to affect not just the children in our home, but, Lord, the generations that will follow us. Make us, oh, Lord, men who are blessed by God, a blessed man. Father, dig deep within our souls. And as we leave this morning, this this service, I pray that you would send us forth with courage and with boldness. Take a stand, Lord, in this day, in this generation. To take a stand beginning in our own home and in our own family, with our own children. To parent our children, Lord, with the firmness of a father's Discipline, Lord, at the same time with the gentleness, Lord, of a father's love. I pray that, God, that you would help us to be the men that changes this generation. Let your hand rest on us, Lord. Bless these men. Bless these these families, these ladies, Lord, young people, Lord, here today. Watch over them as they celebrate with their own families. Be with them and guide them, direct them. And Lord, challenge them to be the men that you want them to be. We give you praise and honor in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said amen. God bless you today. As you leave, hug somebody's neck. You may be dismissed. Go in the name of the Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you were blessed by this ministry, we want to encourage you to share it. And if you don't have a church home, come join us any Sunday at 1030.